arbitration season. The Marlins front office had a lot of work to do and a lot of negotiations to conclude by yesterday's deadline. Eight of 11 done. However, three big names. They could not agree a number for 2024. And right now they're projected to go into an arbitration hearing. Tons to get into. This is Locked on Marlins. You are Locked on Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. It's your daily Marlins podcast. I'm your host, of course, Peter Pratt. Hit me up on X at Miami Marlins underscore UK. If you are listening to the pod, firstly, good morning. Top of the morning to you and happy Friday. Yes, sir. Um, This is your team every day, of course. And thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listen. This should be a first listen uh, because this one is dropping early doors, early doors to get you motivated, potentially for Friday and the weekend ahead. There is a YouTube channel as well, guys. Make sure you hit subscribe over there. That YouTube channel is well-named, and it is called Locked on Marlins. Uh, This episode is also sponsored by GameTime. You can download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDON for 20 bucks off your first purchase. And for those watching, they will see, but for those listening, I have a surprise for you. It is Friday. It is a morning episode, and the UK GOAT is back. Shawnee B, how we doing, brother? And happy new year to you. Yeah, happy new year. The latest happy new year of of the year for sure. Uh, (laughs) For sure, mate. Well, it it feels like it's been a while because it has been a while. It's good to be back on, mate. Um, And funnily enough, yeah, nice early morning pod and we've got some breaking-ish news to cover. It feels breaking, mate. For this off-season, this is definitely classified in the bucket of breaking news or any news, frankly. (laughs) Um, but yeah, happy new year to you, mate. And um, I'm sure as we as we get back into our regular patterns, then uh, the regular rotation will resume. Nevertheless, it's good to good to talk, and there's plenty to talk about. As you mentioned, yesterday was all about arbitration, and the Marlins had a lot to do. They had 11 guys that are in uh, arbitration right now, and so the front office. Clearly, the indication we're we're hearing is the front office are trying to manage the cost base effectively um and so this to me i didn't have the expectation they would conclude everyone and i I expected there to be some spillover just on that situation sean was that your expectation also how does your how do your expectations align to that that 11 guys to get done a lot to do they were never going to get it all done were they they were never going to get it all done no and i'm I'm quite negative as you know so when when we got the the first, we got the first couple of names through, didn't we? Sort of like yeah. early ish, um, and it was a case of right now, let's wait for the next one, and then mm. we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. Mm. And I started to get a bit worried a couple of hours after the quote deadline. Um, there was no more reporting, and and I stayed up quite late last night, as my eyes probably tell you. Um, and even then, there was no breaking news. As it was, it broke about two a.m. here. Uh, that they'd got nine of the 11 done. So that was, for me, that was a positive because when I went to bed, they got two of yeah. 11 done. So mm. that was a positive. But yeah, as, as you mentioned earlier, that there are some big names in that list of uh, of players they didn't get done. Yeah, for sure. 
For sure. I, and I think let's start with the, the, the trickle effect early because I was expecting, I don't know about you, but my expectations were on the reporting of this, that it, there'd be kind of like a domino effect where there'd be like a, a stream of information um, where a bit like what we saw in the early phase of, okay, AJ Puck got something done. Jaguar, the next domino, boom, got something done. Jesus Lozado then actually, uh, I think, was also announced, which I thought was interesting. We're going to talk about Lozado specifically. But then it was all quiet, to your point. Like nothing, none of the other guys were mentioned. Then there was a bit of false reporting around Taylor Rogers and Trevor Rogers and Tyler Rogers. And someone got confused with which Rogers had agreed something. I think it turned out to be the Marlins one. But um, anyway, a busy period for the front office. I think when we probably reflect on this one, the they got... They got deals done with the with the the majority of the group, and I think overall, when we look at the projections and the and the value um, that they ended up having to commit to those guys, it was under the projection. So, for that part of the negotiation, feels like you know from a front office perspective, anyway, it feels like a win for those where they've maybe shaved eight hundred grand off the overall pool. Um, so I feel like that's a win. For me, the biggest standout was Lozado. So let's t- let's talk about him. Where he was, I probably around about five hundred grand below his projection, maybe um, at five and a half mil. Nevertheless, it was more than double her, his salary from from last year. So did Lozado did Lozado take a discount here? Was the projection off? Like when you look at it in the cold light, it has more than doubled. And so I always think of arbitration like you're looking to kind of double year on year if you if you perform. Um, but because you had that projection number and it came lower, it ended up like mentally feeling like a win. Where's your head at on this one, Lozado? I mean, it is a case of like it's it's early in arbitration, so five and a half is actually quite a nice number. No, it is early yeah. on in arbitration, so obviously that's gonna that's gonna grow exponentially, especially if he performs as as we fully expect him to, yeah. as that sort of like quasi number one, back end number one kind of guy. Mm. Um, so I think in, in a certain sense, yeah, they might have saved a couple of hundred grand here or there on mm. him and a few of the other players, but Lozado's doing okay, I think. Um, obviously, arbitration itself is is kind of a mockery, isn't it? Lozado, yeah. on, on the, if he were a free agent, he's getting more than five and a half this year. So, I believe so. So the Marlins, the Marlins love you know, league minimum and arbitration because that's... Yeah. They can get talent that they don't deserve at, at a financial number um, that yeah. benefits them. So this is this is all good news for the Marlins. If if we want to look at it as fans looking at it as a as a thing for the team for our team, um, it is a case of this is all a positive. Um, so yeah, the Marlins obviously they've they've agreed to a contract number with the players that are willing to you know. Be there or there around their projections. Yeah. The players that they haven't done deals with, maybe for one reason or another, are looking to get more value, more closer to that figure that represents what they're worth. Yeah, for sure. One follow-up question in this pool of dudes, more generally: eight have agreed contracts at the eleven, and um, was there any surprise for you that there's no maybe like John Birdie type? situations at the bare minimum um where they agree a number but also you bake in almost next year's number like multi-year elements to this like from what i've seen i haven't seen anything to suggest any of these 
contracts are anything beyond just the year in question. Bit surprised on that, really. It feels like I, I talked about it on last week's pod, actually, that in some ways this could create an interesting opportunity for the Marlins where, you know, you could maybe get into that situation where you, Jesus Sanchez, I think, was the example that I used where, you know, he's maybe a little bit nervous about his future in general. Like he was on the, the DFA bubble at one point last year and he had an okay year, a better year than maybe he expected. But still, there's going to be that nervousness with him. I wonder if, like, if the Marlins saw him as a piece, you know, and there is that there is that upside in there. Could the Marlins maybe limit their financial exposure here by by doing something? Um, so overall, I kind of led you down, Jesus Sanchez, but just more generally, surprised maybe that there weren't any multi-year elements to this, considering the size of the class, maybe. I'll move on to Sanchez because uh, that's quite an interesting point to me, but I'll quickly just touch on the three players that actually have only two years of control left. So that's mm. Stephen Gore and Jaguar. So both of them are kind of like, would you really want to bake in a second year? Because relievers, no. especially guys that have never really proven themselves to be elite, um, can blow hot and cold. A Bethan mm-hmm. Court, I think it's a case of he's a, he's a one-year wonder for the Marlins, I'd imagine. Yep. So Sanchez is interesting to me because he just, just became a Super 2 arbitration guy. So mm-hmm. he's got four years of arbitration. And and as you said, he's he's been on the bubble. He's performed well. I think the Marlins could have got ahead of this. If he yeah. does, he, he has an opportunity now to double and double and double his contract. And these guys where they just get to Super 2, but they haven't really shown it through talent. Like, it's just been the case of he's been on the roster. Uh, he might get to the point where his arbitration number becomes more than the Marlins are willing to pay Yeah, um, for his performance. Obviously, yeah. he's youngish um, and is still developing and, and, and he's getting better. Um, but yeah, he could have been a candidate where the Marlins go, if he does continue to form and to continue to grow, then that number is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And maybe if we do a deal now, we could not shave a couple of hundred thousands off that number. We could shave a couple of million off that yeah. number. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's where my head was at with, with Jesus. Was like, I, I feel like you could get ahead of this one if you believe in him. And I guess... You know, there needs to be time for evaluation. This might just be the wrong time. I think probably when we sit back and we consider why maybe maybe some more strategic elements haven't been made, the fact is the whole of the front office, Peter Bendix included, are brand new. And so there needs to be a betting in period for them to maybe get to know these guys um, personally and, you know, spend some time with them and work out what their actual skills and uh, and weaknesses may be. And so it may just be a timing thing, to be honest, but... Um, yeah, we'll wait and see. I thought it was an interesting one. To your point, though, about Chaguar, Bethancourt, like, there's no need for those guys to really be considering like a birdie situation where you're putting a team option. Because I did see, I believe it's Devin Williams was the one that I think I saw popped out around this one for the Brewers, where they've agreed to arbitration, also got a, a club option. At, at, so I think it was seven and a bit, and the club option, uh, which is his final arb year, at 10 or something. So the Brewers, because he's a big piece for them, they've fixed their cost there where they know what they're going to be spending if Devin Williams performs, which they probably expect him to perform um, you know, into next year as well, which I think is a really smart way to do things and actually would have maybe helped the Marlins too with the Ryers last year, to be honest with you. But nevertheless, let's 
We'll segue into Arias, actually, and Jazz Chisholm and Tanner Scott, all three of those guys we need to talk about because those are the three, the big three, the power three, um, that haven't been able to um, land on an agreed contract number for, for 2024. Before we do that, this episode is brought to you by our good friends over at Game Time, and you should not have to worry about buying tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. And they have killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. So the other thing, too, is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from your seat before you buy. Uh, you know exactly what you're going to expect when you arrive. That may not be exactly true in Kansas City this weekend. I'm not sure that uh, the Game Time app is going to accurately <laughs> demonstrate the the weather conditions that uh, that may be uh, faced for for the Dolphins. But nevertheless, all in prices show your total upfront cost, so you know you're getting a great deal before you check out, and you can buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. So. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use this code. And this code is locked on for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create an account and redeem the code locked on for 20 bucks off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Right, back here with me, Peter Pratt, and the UK GOAT. Sean Barrett, on Friday, the 12th of Jan, and we are up and at it early doors, pre-work. Yes, we have day jobs. This isn't our only job. We have day jobs, and this is pre-that. That's our commitment to you on arbitration, no doubt. We talked about Lewis Arias then just in advance of the ad there, Sean. Uh, that's the biggest gap in terms of the the numbers that have been exchanged, and it's the biggest gap from what the Marlins have submitted and what the player has submitted. Luis Arias shooting for $12 million. Big, big shoot there from Luis Arias. Um, with that number in play, are you surprised, or how surprised are you that they haven't agreed uh, a number for, for 24? I'm surprised simply just because of who he is. Like, it's obviously the biggest Marlin on the list of guys for arbitration. One of the biggest guys in baseball left on, on the list. Um, yep. In fact, Junior is probably number one in that sense. Um, one of the highest numbers of arbitration as well. Yep. Um, and as you said, near, not quite the biggest gap left, but one of the biggest gaps left. If you go by the, the projections, the Marlins are closer to that number than Arias is. Yep. So Agreed. as much as you can trust that projection, obviously it's, a, it's an independent voice. Um, but they seem to be pretty good at what they do as far as creating a number, as far as it's almost as if baseball take that number and use that to work for them rather <laughs> exactly. than actually the, that there's any rhyme or reason for it. Um, so normally I'd like to bash the team because that's my want for, for being cheap and for, and for yeah. being um, you know, running the team poorly. But their, their offer is pretty close to that number. So I, I would say that there is some wiggle room, and yes, maybe you go a bit above that number, that uh, the projected number, because it is a riot, and because you want to keep them happy. Um, like going to going into these meetings and and having to sit next to him or across him with lawyers and mm -hmm. basically tell him why he's no good. Um, 
I mean, they could just speak to some Braves fans. They'll get some good ammo from that, I'm sure. But where's the sense in that? Where is the, the logical sense of saving yourself a couple of hundred? I know it's a lot of money. Mm. But a couple of hundred thousand pounds to upset your best player. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But, yeah, I mean, it is, it's, it is the way this business is run, though, isn't it? Do you think, in the meantime, that they actually reach a different agreement? You know, before the actual hearing itself, do you think it's possible? Because I, I just had a sneaky, I had a sneaky suspicion, but this was pre-spaces, to be honest with you, um, where Craig Mish joined the guys, just kind of hopped into the the conversation with the guys, and effectively Craig was saying, um, a rise is very unlikely to be extended by the Marlins, thus will be traded in likely an off-season window, be it this one, but more likely maybe next one. Um. So in advance of that, I was saying, listen, I could see a possibility here where the Marlins and Arias like come together for a, a longer term extension. Craig is a lot closer to things than me, and uh, that seems to suggest that won't be the case. And so, could the relationship here be slightly fractured in some ways between Arias and the Marlins? I, I don't know, maybe not, but for Arias to go quite significantly over the projection, um, and like you said, the projections are kind of independent. And they're normally like pretty close to where things land. Like Arias is the one overshooting here. And so I don't know. Um, I'm not sure if maybe there's a little bit of a breakdown going on here, maybe a relationship change. But yeah, it's an interesting one. That The question is, is can they get anything done or do they want to? And I think really from what Craig's saying is there's maybe no desire to do anything and they're just going to happily roll through this arbitration period and probably look to move Arias next offseason before he, he reaches his final year, which, man, as Marlins fans, that is a pretty frustrating set of affairs, in my opinion. What about you? Yeah, I mean, as, as you said, we are nowhere near the pulse as much as Craig no. is. Um, but I, I remember last year talking about Arias and, and percentages of him being traded, and I was quite high on the idea that he's going to be traded. Mm. So has the relationship fractured? I don't think it quite would be that bad, but almost like the, how interested are the Marlins in making a deal for arbitration and paying a little bit more money to keep him happy mm. if they know he's only here for X amount of days or months. Yeah. Um, so they're trying to get the number at a number that they, they can be happy with, knowing that this might be the last year of him being in the jersey. Um mm. And to that degree, to that degree, how how happy do they need to keep him? Because um, yeah. he probably knows too. Like his his side of doing all these are in these talks as well. He probably knows that he's got one more year in a Marlins jersey, and then he's going to go off to quite literally greener pastures. Mm, yeah, exactly. Wouldn't it be wild though? Just thinking about this out loud, the fact that Arias was in exactly the same position last year, by the way, and the Twins and Arias submitted their numbers. In the period before the arbitration hearing specifically, he was traded. Wouldn't it be wild if it was back-to-back -back years where that happened? I, I absolutely would not rule this out for the Marlins. I mean, I'm going to talk about this in, in another episode because I really want to focus on, on arbitration, but no one's using the word rebuild, but everything that we're hearing it's a glorified rebuild at this point. And what I mean by that is we're going to sell and trade the guys that are in ARB 2 and beyond 
and we're going to restock the farm. That, my friends, is a rebuild. <laughs> However you want to package it up, that's what's happening. And that is the plan at this point. And God, it would be wild if actually Arias ended up in the same situation two years in a row where couldn't agree with one team, was then traded, it became another team's problem. What, what are the Marlins going to say? Let's say the Marlins are the one in the room with the Rias and um, Peter Bendix, whoever, who's, I don't know, who represents the Marlins in this situation. Um, what are they going to be saying uh, <laughs> in this session that says he's worth 10.6 rather than 12? Is it just the Braves narrative of he's a glorified singles hitter and he's not worth 12 million? Is that the end of the conversation for Lewis Arias and the Marlins? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to a certain degree, it is. They're going to use some old school numbers because ultimately, Arias is, you know, he's the the bastion of the the offense on the team. He was surrounded for large portions of the year with, quite frankly, below replacement players. Um, so as good as he was, his runs, his home runs, his RBI, his stolen mm. bases, all those old school numbers that. You know, lesser, lesser interested fans of, of stats look at, uh, and ultimately the organization will use as well. They're not great, no. So, he is a fantastic player, and we all, and, and, and I could, you know, go on for a whole podcast talking about how he's unfairly looked at using those numbers, mm. but that's what the Marlins will use. They will use mm. that, yes, you can get on base, yes, you can hit singles all day but your actual value to winning for us on the field is is not as much as another player which frankly is is why you should never go into an arbitration case no because this is you can you can look at the numbers and you can make a good player look bad and you can make a bad player look good i've done that quite a lot for garrett cooper mm. over the years um <laughs> you can find numbers to say whatever you want to say there is a billion numbers yeah. For every player, you can find some good ones. You can find some bad ones. So the Marlins will use some of those stats to 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 put him down. Um, and <laughs> there is no way to carry on a relationship with someone you want to perform. No, maybe the Marlins don't really care about the relationship. Frankly, like it's not going to be their problem. Um, it could be the mentality. But I think the point you've called out, though, right at the top regarding Arias, is it's Arias that's stretching things here. He's the one pushing it beyond the projection. So this feels a little bit different, to be honest with you. Let's say nothing happens. They go into the room, 12 million arrives or 10.6 million arrives. Which which number do you think they end up landing on? I think it will land on the Marlins side. I think mm. I think I don't want to be conspiracy theorist about this, but it tends to go to the 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 ownership side. Um mm. what you want about that. Yeah. I agree. To be honest with you on this one, I uh, I I do agree. I think that's the way it's gonna go. Um so Let's do the final ad, and then we want to talk about Tanner Scott and Jazz Chisholm Jr., the other two big names that haven't uh, reached an agreement. Uh, but before we do that, this episode is brought to you by our good friends, of course, over at FanDuel. Yes, sir. And the NFL's regular season is wrapped up, but it is postseason time, baby, and there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book right now. New customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets. Guaranteed. When you place a $5 bet, that's it. 150 bucks in bonus bets. Win or lose. So, so simple. The app is super easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet. Of course, live 
same game parlays and you can find all the bets you need in the new explore tab plus my favorite place to operate it's the parlay hub baby the best way to find popular parlays and more of course so visit fanduel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup fanduel official partner of the nfl all right guys back here with me peter pratt and the uk goat sean barrett we are running long, it feels, in this episode. I may have dragged it out a touch. Nevertheless, we are talking arbitration. Two guys to talk about. Tanner Scott, let's start there, Sean. He is in his final year uh, with uh, of arbitration. And just the whole Tanner Scott situation for me is a really interesting one. Just like there's so many moving parts here. Um, firstly, are you surprised that they are in this situation where they couldn't agree a number, Tanner Scott and the Marlins, and that they'll go to an, ar- an arbitrator at this point? No, not for Scott, simply for one reason. That is, it's his final year. And much like a Reyes, I don't see him being in a Marlins jersey at the end of the season. No. No. I think I agree on that one. I, actually, I know I agree on that one. The team put forward for just for Tanner Scott, 5.15 million and Tanner Scott, 5.7 million. Um, is Tanner Scott worth 5.7 million? Is he worth it? Yes. I, he had an elite year as a reliever. He's going to go into the season as the de facto closer. Mm. Um, a, because he's earned it. And B, because that gives him the most trade value uh, going through the season. Um, interestingly, Scott's number is below the the projection or estimate mm. for him. So this really does speak to the Marlins having no interest in getting anywhere near uh, a higher number. Uh, yeah. I think I think if Scott had been in the closer role for longer last year, um, then th- he would be closer to that number as far as value. But because he only had what twelve saves. Last year, it's yep. if he was in the role for longer, would be this would be a completely different conversation, I think. Um, but realistically, I expect him to go into the season. He'll have 25, 30 saves if he was in the role for the Marlins. Obviously, if he is de- traded at the deadline, um, he'll probably go in as a setup man somewhere for a playoff team. Um, yep. But yeah, again, is he worth it? Of course he is. If he was a free agent, he'd be getting multi-double-digit million-year contracts from everybody. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think the interesting thing with Tanner Scott, just to talk about it, is his last year was clearly immense. A career year, for sure. But the problem the Marlins faces, and maybe Tanner Scott faces too, is the previous years were definitely not like those. And so there's not a level of consistency here at all. And so I understand, like, and I can I know what the conversation is going to look like if they end up in the um, actual hearing itself. They'll just flick on to 2022 and just show just the sheer amount of walks that were issued, <laughs> the lack of consistency, um, maybe from Tanner Scott. There was you know a clear improvement there. And to your point, Sean, I think this is the really important thing. We've mentioned it with the Ryers, traditional counting stats, which maybe you know are the at the end of the day. This is a traditional process. This is a historical process in many ways. He used traditional stats. And the reality is, Tanner Scott, he didn't have enough saves. That's the stat you're going to turn to, right? You're going to turn to, okay, Tanner Scott, you want to be paid like a top-level closer. I'm sorry, sir. You, your numbers don't suggest that you have a you, – you don't have the numbers to back it up. 
what they're going to say. Yeah, and absolutely. that's what you've called out. Yeah, and it is a case of they're not just looking at last year. They're looking no. at a body of work. This is this is what you've done in your major league career, in your service time. Yeah. That's accrued towards this year. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you you can look at the, the sub-free walk rate that he had last year, which is, for him, with his K-rate, elite. But if you look at the years past, it's six plus. So it is a case of we're not going to pay you for one year of, of doing what you did. Yeah. On the on the balance of five years where you didn't. Um, yeah, exactly. But obviously the Marlins are then counting on him continuing to perform at that high level in 2024. Yeah. At a, again, at a value well below what he's worth, but. That's again. That's that's why I don't like arbitration personally. I'm obviously no. pro labour. Um, if, if it's not come across in all our conversations, <laughs> um, so yeah. As as a fan of the Marlins, obviously this is good for the Marlins. They're getting a uh, very, at least if he performs like last year, a very elite closer, not back end mm. reliever like we've always spoken about. An actual closer yep. for what sub six million yeah that's, that's, that's very good value however it comes down whoever they're sided with it's going to be a win for the fish and the reality is whatever the number is uh if indeed tanner scott starts the year as he finished last year um it's not going to be off-putting for any of their trade potential situations they may look into um i'd ask whether we could see tanner scott being extended but I don't think we have time. And frankly, I think, you know, Sean's shaking his head. The answer is no. Let's talk about Jazz Chisholm Jr. I have one question, one question only with Jazz because we're running long on time. We need to get out of here. Jazz Chisholm Jr. and the Marlins, were they ever going to see a same number? Were they ever going to agree on the same number here? Like, I, And the reason I'm asking this, and I'll just give my sense of it, is I don't think Jazz will ever ever, ever aligned to what the Marlins see in terms of value. I think Jazz will always have an over-projection, to be honest with you, uh, or a higher projection. Over is the wrong word. A higher projection in terms of value and dollar worth than maybe the Marlins will have. So for me, this was the least surprising situation of all of them, to be honest with you. What about your sense on Jazz? I, I get what you mean in the sense of he's going to back himself and he's going to have yeah. his confidence. He's going to have this self-worth. Uh, that's that's the way he is, isn't he? Like, do you want me to be a centre fielder? Yes, I'll be the best centre fielder out there. And yeah. as it is, he, he got pretty yeah. close uh, <laughs> after only one year. Funnily enough, I'm going to yang when you yang or the other way around. Beautiful. There's only 275, I know, that's a lot of money, 275,000 pounds, uh, pound, dollars, between the two players, the two sides, sorry. The, the deadline is just a... a, a a line in the sand where teams usually stop. Like this is a deadline. It's a pinch point where we don't get deal done. We'll just go to arbitration. They yeah. can do a deal anytime now between now and when they walk through that arbitration case door, they could literally give him the contract before they walk in and say, let's get this done. Let's yeah. not do this stupid work. Yeah. Uh, Jess is, if they don't get an extension, which personally, I don't think they do. They've got three more years of jazz through arbitration. Like that's a lot of control and and, and a young guy with emotions mm -hmm. that you want to try and keep happy. Agreed. A couple hundred thousand pounds difference. That like meet in the middle, meet 60-40, his side, 
I don't really care. Let's yeah. get that deal done and, and keep a young, hopeful star player happy <clears throat> because Jazz, if he's 2020 and healthy or whatever he's going to do next year as a centre fielder for what he wants, 2.9, mm. that's incredible value. Let's just get that deal done. Saving 100 grand this year to save 200 next year to save 400 the year after. Let's for, for half a million, let's keep a star player happy. It's just a no brainer in my book. Sean, I've got nothing more to say. You've summarized it perfectly. Get it done. Percentage that percentage that the arbitration hearing actually happens with Jazz. Final question, and we'll get out of here. Um. <laughs> I'm going to still go 40, 60 that they, they don't get a deal done and they go to arbitration. So 60% they go to arbitration okay. just because it's the Marlins. And whenever I take, whenever I take the negative side of the coin with the Marlins, they, they don't awfully back me up and support me with that um, by what they end up doing. So let's go with that. Yeah. Seems fair. All right. I, I must say, Sean, I think you summarize that situation with jazz absolutely perfectly. I'm going to snip that and, Put it out there on Twitter in general for people to enjoy uh, in uh, in their own time. Uh, guys, thanks for joining uh, us on, on Lockdown Marlins. Uh, and thanks to the UK GOAT, Sean Barra, for hopping on his first one of 2024. Uh, and there will be many, many more, I am sure of that. Um, thanks for making Lockdown Marlins your first listen. It's an early one on a Friday. We are out here hammering it early. Uh, the big news, 8 of 11, done. Three big names still to be done. There's still some time to negotiate. Will they get any deals done? Or will they end up in the arbitration room? Specifically, the hearings with Tanner Scott, Jazz Chisholm Jr. and Luis Arias. Time will tell. And we'll talk about it real, real soon on Lockdown Marlins. See you then.